Welcome to Best Friend Simulator, a quality hangout in podcast form with your simulated best friends, Josh and Dennis. Balls, penises, pooping, peeing, what we do in the bathroom, what we don't do in the bathroom, how many clothes we wear in the bathroom, your quote-unquote sex positivity. These are the things I really hope we do not talk about in this episode. But, Dennis, are people going to come back from this deep well if we, if we take away those things? Yeah, because I'd like to think, Josh, that we are more than that. I just don't want us to pigeonhole ourselves to like this like broy these broy subjects. Is talking about peeing at a urinal with your pants completely around your ankles and your shirt off and hung up nearby. Is that like a broy thing? Do bros talk about that? It, it it's close. Now we of course don't I'd like to think that we Touch the edge, but don't go over because we're a little self-aware. Unlike bros. But, you know, I think it, the, there's a spectrum for people, and we're definitely on that spectrum. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I just feel like the people who tune in that would be turned off by us talking about, like, piss pennies, for, for example, probably wouldn't be here for the rest of the show either, to be honest. I mean, you might be right. But you may be crazy. I, hey, might just be a lunatic we're looking for. Hey yo, that earned us another Billy Joel at, hashtag for the yes, episode. At me, at me, Billy Joel. Uh, uh, Michael band members. Michael was that his name? And the horn player. God, this is why we're horrible at schmoozing. Hi, you're listening to Best Friend Simulator. I'm Dan, and I'm Josh. Horns horrible- Mahoney. Bones Mahoney was the Horns Mahoney. player. <laughs> Bones Malone was the saxophone player in the Blues Brothers band. Yeah, I know that. I mean, and in real life, but. And Horns Mahoney is on that, that sick horn section. In the Billy Joel band? Yeah. What, what the fuck was that? <laughs> okay, so last episode, <laughs> I noticed I was very spitty. I had a lot of spit sounds, and it was making me sick. Okay. And I, I, All right. I did an okay job fixing it, I think. But I uh-huh. read some tips, and people said if you take a bite of green apple, it'll help break up that spit. And I think it's... Yeah, it's not into the I know, microphone. and it's sitting here half eaten, and I picked it up, and I was about to eat it. And I was like, oh, you know what? No. I'm glad you didn't, because when we were practicing... Practicing, whatever. When we were chatting before... We're not practicing. Say this. Uh, when we were chatting before we went on, you took a big-ass bite right into the microphone. That shit was loud. I think... It, I picture it as, and I'll, get, I'll provide a reference here for the, the listeners at home, uh, the scene in The Golden Child when Chandler Jarrell, uh, a.k.a. Eddie Murphy, has to bring the glass of water out across to the, the other side to get the Ajanti dagger. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And he almost falls and comes back up, and you see he's sweating. He almost drinks it and then stops and shakes his head. Right. You thought better yeah. of it. All right. That's yeah. good. You caught yourself. Maybe you are a professional. So, okay. I'll try to not talk about these things. I just... I, I don't... 
mind that we talk about it sometimes. I just don't want every episode to have a pee-pee or a poo-poo segment. Yeah, that's fair. And, or, you know, uh, or a tinkle-tinkle or a doo-doo, whatever you call it. I believe that, that constraint is good for creativity. So What? Constraint is good for creativity. You didn't cover that in your improv class? Not yet. Okay. Speaking of your improv class, I have a few notes from last episode. Oh, okay. <clears throat> oh, real, like you wrote shit down on paper. Real notes while I was editing. Just, just a few points I wanted to talk to you about. And you want to do this on the air? Yeah. I figure, you know, it's, it's for the best if everybody knows. Okay. So, to begin with, and I actually think I did have to cut a little bit of this out, I was mm-hmm. trying to provide you with a segue to transition okay. into talking about getting old, because you were going to talk about Cadbury cream eggs, so I kept asking you about Easter, and I think I, mm. I tried to, to hand you that transition three or four times, and you wouldn't take it, <laughs> to the point mm. where I had to say, okay, hold on, pause, dude, talk about this. <laughs> Right, that's true. That did happen. Now, we were recording later than normal. So it was late mm-hmm. for you. So I'll chalk that up to, to that. Now, there were a couple other things. I feel like you really didn't yes-end me a okay. couple of times. And I feel like we need to explore our dynamic in that I think you're, you're a little bit more the straight man, in a sense. And that I'm kind of the more wingnut one. So okay. I will go off and talk about the weird tangents, and then you will be and nonplussed and be like, what the fuck are you talking about? Mm-hmm. Now, last episode, I mentioned uh, William Penn's ghost picking up trash to convert it into ectoplasm, and you like didn't mm-hmm. even respond to it. Yeah, I think you had just said so many crazy things. Well, actually, well, do you want me to respond in line or like at the end? Because I would like to go back to the, your first comment, if I may. Okay. Uh, yeah, let, let's break it down one by one. Okay, so I per- perhaps I wonder if part of it is, you know, I love you, okay, but I don't see you as a professional, you know, comedian, improv, comic mind. I see you, you are one of the funniest people I know. I mean, that's why I decided to do a podcast with you. Thank you. Right? But I maybe I wasn't seeing that you were trying to feed me since... Sometimes we don't usually we don't usually do that. We just kind of do our own thing. So now that I see that you're gonna try to like feed me some shit, like gifting, as we call it in the in, oh, improv there you world, go. if you want. Sure. Um, I am level one and a half. Uh, I think I have clearance into some comedy clubs now. Cool. You, is that like a yellow I mean, belt? Yeah, okay. I think so. So now that I know that you're going to gift me some stuff, I will be listening for that. Perhaps, you know, on the stage, I have a different ear. You know, I'm listening for certain cues. Sure, and sure. In the podcast, it's since this is a conversation among friends, as we've always built it, not a comedy act. Now I know that we're going to try to make this a little more of a thing. So I got it. I got you now. All right. Uh, now, what do you have to say about William Penn's ghost converting litter into th- ectoplasm? I think we were saying so many insane things that episode that that wasn't even that insane to me. Okay. Okay. What's your next point? Also, this is actually probably a little earlier 
you didn't really yes-send my attempt to go down the avenue of the person going around the Philadelphia area and buying up all the Cadbury cream eggs to create artificial mm. scarcity to corner the market, which I, I, I thought that probably could have been. been a rich vein. Mm. Probably could have got a new character out of it. Missed opportunity. Hey, by the way, do you want to? Should we call Ricky in on this? Yeah, yeah. Matter of fact, you know, I have him here. Hey, Ricky, Ricky, come on in. Oh, here. Yeah, he's at your house, apparently. <laughs> oh wait, I, oh, was I he at your he house? was here. See, we weren't making eye contact. <laughs> we have things to work on. Episode thirty-one. We have things to work on. Yeah, but be. I I think by the time we hit one hundred, we'll have this shit so tight. By the time we hit what? We hit one hundred. Okay, he sounded 100 when I know, he said right? that. <clears throat> now, the apple's kind of... <laughs> little too tart? Little too tart. Perhaps we should uh, take, like, every five episodes. Uh, at the end of the five episodes, we should listen back to them. <laughs> and then the sixth episode is going to be review episode, where you can give me more fucking notes. Okay. Piece of shit. What else you got? That was, that was all I really needed to... Oh, okay. That's Just great. a few suggestions. Like, going That's forward... Great. Maybe, you know. I will try to be a better listener. Thank you. Which is actually, this is actually a good segue. You didn't know I was going to talk about this. But I guess that I have new friends now. Wow. So this will probably be close to my last podcast. Okay. Recording. Who, who, you know, I'm who is he? Well... It's not a one person. It's a group or a troop, if you may. Oh, I see. I went out, went out with the improv class the other night for drinks, and uh, you know it was a good time. Oh, well. I went out at nine o'clock in the evening, which was really, really late. Wait, okay, Dennis, step to the side here for a second. Okay, what's hey, up? Did you uh, did you make love to them? all of them yeah the the way you're talking about it um like comedy love okay in that we talked about fun things we find funny no like penetration oh there's penetration (laughs) penetrating humor exactly those drinks were penetrating (laughs) yeah i I showed a little decorum i used proper terminology thank you Thank you, and and that's my fault for not adding sex to the things I didn't want us to talk about this yeah, episode. See, no, there was no penetration. I didn't make out with anybody. I'm not secretly dating anybody. It was just a very, you know, look. I was included in the group, and it, you know, look, I'm just branching out now. A bunch of them are in their twenties, okay. which there's nothing wrong with that. I have friends in their twenties as well. I did have to mention at some point that I was much older than them, which I think made it worse. Probably. We yeah, we we've covered that I tend to talk about how I'm a lot older to my younger friends. Uh, oh yeah, I think that totally made it worse cuz nobody was asking. Yeah. And I was like, "Oh my god, you I'm so much older than you." And I don't know why I said that. You should put on old age makeup next time you hang out with them and see if they notice. I bet you didn't even know how old I was. Why am I so into young I'm... people wearing old age makeup? I think about it a lot. Oh, it's a hilarious concept. It's a good look. Now, like the wrinkles and everything, or just like flower in their hair and like a giant suit? No, like the wrinkles. Yeah, it's a good bit. 
Okay, so when we hit episode 100 and like really nail it and and start and get really big and we do finally publicly reveal our identities, can we hire someone to put old age makeup on us? Pause. I have to wait 70 more <laughs> episodes for this to hit it big. Hey, we're a diamond in the oh, rough, yeah. you know? Uh, Rome wasn't uh, built in one day, as the saying goes. Does that is that something that we really need to say? <laughs> oh fuck, really? Oh holy shit! Yeah, I mean they know it. Tell me more, Einstein. Oh, I'm gonna punch somebody. Next smart ass that says that to me, they get punched. Einstein. I haven't been violent all week, and then all of a sudden I get on this phone call with you, and all of a sudden I'm violent again. Look, I don't, I don't, I don't know what to tell you, man. Is it because? Of my my critique, there was no malice in it, my friend. I I no, I think this is look. These are good notes, and any good or any performer that hopes to do better and be better accepts criticism. Okay, from someone they deem to be better than them. I don't. I kind of lost that. I, I'm happy with criticism. I just don't. Want it, I just want don't know if I accept it from coming you. from below you to to an unskilled. I didn't say it. Yeah, that's it, your I can, words. I can read between the lines. So these, so this, I think you're projecting these new best friends of yours. Tell me, will you be able to text them a deep cut reference to the Golden Child and have them laugh about Maybe. it for like a month? Yeah. Do you do you hey, think your twenty something best friends have seen the Golden Child, let alone seen it? I- 800 times the way I have and you have maybe not but maybe they can come over and see it and I can show them my adult apartment <laughs> are you sure you're not okay step aside here okay what's you up? sure you're not making love to them maybe three of them are they running a train on you <laughs> come on like fucking 15 minutes you couldn't you couldn't res- you couldn't take it longer than 15 minutes to say running a train running a laugh train on you if you would have said laugh train at first it would have been acceptable that was implied the way you implied that i'm just like a, a piece of shit on your heel i'm not i'm slowing not slowing you down first of all you're projecting so i got something i'll project you know. what ectoplasm what is happening piss i said it piss oh come on i couldn't i couldn't last 15 minutes i wasn't penetrating them with my humor nobody's running a laugh train on each other we weren't improvising sexual moves whatever your next innuendo is we're just having a good time and i think i i I think i just want to hang out with them more did did they tell you 69 jokes while you were hanging out Oh, Jesus. <laughs> Come on. All right, we have to move on. Okay, let's move on. This is some bullshit. Uh, yeah, let's let's go right ahead and move on to a little, a special place I call Cryptid Country. Oh, yeah. I, re- I really wish I was the one who started Cryptid Country. It makes sense. You have the Paranormal Portal. I get Cryptid Country. But you just do a lot more work in this podcast than I do, <laughs> admittedly. Hey, anytime you want to step up to the plate, it would help. 
Oh, what day? Because uh, I am busy. Yeah, see? I'm hanging with my new uh, impressions. Are your, your 20-something friends going to produce an entire podcast while you're out there we're really good at, gallivanting around? We're really, good at ye- we're really good at yes ending. Look, behind every good comedian is a person willing to do the production work on their podcast. And all of the research. And all the research. 90% of the research. You, you pull some gems out from time to time. Hey, yeah? Huh? I think 90-10, I think that's pretty good. <sighs> All right. So this week, I'm presenting the Sierra Sounds tapes. And I, I discovered these, I think, when you were visiting back in January. Yes, I was there in January. We were, I think we were watching a lot of weird YouTube Bigfoot stuff while you were here. And we came across the Sierra Sounds, which are purportedly actual recordings of Sasquatch out in the Sierra Nevada mountains, uh, right on the border of California and Nevada. Hmm. And when were these done? So these were recorded in, or these were recorded between 1972 and 1975. Oh, shit. It was done at a remote deer camp. Uh, it was, I, I think they said it was something like an eight mile hike into the forest, uh, no trail or anything. It's just kind of, they knew the way there. Yeah. It was a group of hunters, including, uh, a guy named Ron Moorhead. Now at, at the time, Moorhead, I think ran a restaurant. Dennis is nodding. Oh yeah. I hear yeah. you. You ran a I restaurant. Guess I've worked in a restaurant before. You have a, is that your loophole? Like you, you can't talk about these things, but you can make gestures. Uh huh. I don't want to talk about it, but I want to give you a little wink, wink. (laughs) Um, Actually, I I think you could probably, after Ron Moorhead's experience with a lot of stuff, you could probably refer to him as a cunning linguist as well. But more on that later. Jesus Christ. Okay. uh, Was this before or after the famous Bigfoot video? Uh, The the Patterson-Gimlin film? That's the one where he's like walking kind of like a... Yeah. She, I think okay. a, a lot of uh, oh, I apologize, Sasquatchologists. That's not even a term. I think a lot, a lot of Probably Bigfoot not. enthusiasts believe that that was mm-hmm. a a female Sasquatch. Gotcha. Yeah, this is after okay. that, just a couple of years after that, I believe. I, I think that was sixty-seven or sixty-nine, actually. <laughs> nice. <laughs> you should be ashamed of yourself. So. This actually started in 1971. These guys were up there in the summer of 71, preparing the camp, and they started having encounters with Sasquatch. They were seeing them around and started hearing them. So later that fall, they reached out to a guy named Al Berry, who was a reporter working for the Reading Record Searchlight in Northern California. Barry came out and brought some recording equipment. The tapes represent several recordings between 1972 and 1975. The setup was that they had a little hut almost that they built, like a little mm-hmm. shelter out of logs and, and branches and stuff. And what happens was at dusk every night, that was when the Sasquatch would start to become very active. They would hang up microphones from the trees beforehand, actually, obviously not at dusk. And then they would retreat to the shelter and just wait. And I, I think they captured a total of around 90 minutes of footage of all this stuff. So... The 1972 recordings were done over the course of two nights. 
Okay, so I'll go right ahead and actually play some clips for you now, and then we'll discuss from here. So here's the first one. Rain for night, we What you have there is a, a classic Sasquatch sound at this point, the knocking on trees. Uh, a lot of folks believe that that is a way that they communicate with each other. That's one of the most common things I've seen and heard in like cases about Bigfoot. So I, it'd be interesting to know where that started, what case or whatever, like how far back that goes, because that's very prevalent now, I think. Like if you ever have seen anything from finding Bigfoot or whatever... That's mm. super common. Okay, so let's move on. Okay, so now we move on to another very common vocalization, the, the whoop sounds, which I think is, is kind of one of the running jokes about finding Bigfoot is that it's a bunch of dudes out in the woods going whoop, whoop. Right, right. It's so weird to think that like a an animal that's supposed to be really big makes like a weird kind of bird noise. Yeah. It's pretty strange. Okay, so let's move on. Uh, this next part is a little... Just a taste of something else that, that comes up. It becomes a lot more prevalent later. The hell was that? Okay, here's where it starts getting weird. So that is something that Moorhead has gone on to refer to in perhaps an unsensitive way as samurai chatter. Now, the samurai chatter is kind of the thing that makes this these tapes, in my opinion. Uh, they're the thing that most people seem to be obsessed with. Uh, overwhelmingly, if you look this up, and I did a, a fair amount of research on this one, everybody out there on YouTube and on message boards and Reddit and stuff, overwhelmingly people believe these are legit. And a lot of it is because of the, the quote-unquote samurai chatter. What makes the samurai chatter more legit? Well, I'll get into that in a little bit, but okay. people believe that this is actual language. It's not just gobbledygook. Uh, they believe that this is consistent with language. Gotcha. So let's move on. Are you trying to talk to this? <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> okay, so you have the Sasquatch off in the distance making some weird chicken noises, and then you have Moorhead responding. And that's another thing that makes these tapes interesting to a lot of folks is that there's sort of a back and forth going on. So let's move on to the next segment. (laughs) Now... At this point, it becomes a lot more clear that there are two creatures talking, oh. speaking. One has a lower voice and one has a higher voice. I was going to say it was a lot more clear that this is bullshit. Sorry. <laughs> yeah. 
Well, you know. It just, I mean, the re- that part really sounded like a dude going, whoa. Yeah. It, just wait. It gets a little better. Uh, yeah. The Squatch was kind of wilding out there, going a bit nuts. I like to think that it was yelling at its its partner for talking back to the dude. <laughs> okay. Let's move on. Okay, we have more of the chatter. I'm not going to call it samurai chatter because that that feels racist to me. So, yeah. uh, Let's just call it chatter. I mean, I understand that that's how they refer to it as, and people talking about it on the internet refer to it as, but it's definitely sketchy. So that is more of the one individual being agitated, getting a bit worked up. Uh, And then let's move on a little more. Okay. So it it seems like it's continuing, like there's a, a back and forth going on, not just between the two alleged Sasquatches, but between Moorhead and the Sasquatches. You have some knocking in that one as well, as well as the the chatter. What makes that? What would make that sound in the in the forest? That would be so hollow when you knock on it. Um, I mean, hitting a tree probably. Could uh, I thought it would sound more thud like? I imagine if you hit a like a dead tree or something like okay. a, something more dried out. All right. It would be less dense, so it would probably reverberate a little more. I'm no nature expert, so that's yeah. why I asked. Okay. There's two of them across the creek at the big rocks. What? (laughs) Okay, things start to get a little Muppet-like at this point. Yeah, wait, so they're trying to say that's that's Bigfoot's the thing going, whoa! Yeah. So there there are two individuals, they believe. Uh, You have the bigger one who's doing the chatter uh, and the the more agitated vocalizations, and then you have the other one doing the higher Hmm. uh, ones. And they have some evidence that that they claim sort of backs this up as well. So let's listen to, this will be the final recording from the 1972 recordings. It's a hard act to follow. You sound like you talk to us and they talk to each other. Yeah. Wow. 
So, oh boy, it's like, yo, we got him now, so let's lay it on extra thick, and then they start just having their friend yelling in like some really bad quote unquote Asian, yeah, ch- their samurai chatter. It's like you, they almost had me until they started this bullshit. Yeah, and it gets even better question mark uh with the later (laughs) recordings so let me just cover this really fast as i mentioned they believed there were two creatures vocalizing one had the higher pitch one had the lower pitch and the next day they claimed that they found and cast sets of footprints nearby Uh, one set was 13 inches long the other 18 inches long so you know that's consistent with the lower voiced one and the higher voiced one sure now, the next, I believe, are from 1974. They're, they're a little more scattered. I pulled all of this stuff. There's clips of it on YouTube. And I actually went ahead and ran some filters over it because there's a lot of, like, tape hiss and stuff. And it, it actually came out sounding a lot more clear, especially that samurai chatter at the end there. It, it, it sounds a lot more clear on the version that I did on free software as a person that's just been editing a podcast for a few months. Yeah. So... So I, I'm not 100% sure when these were recorded. So this set was recorded by Ron Moorhead and Bill McDowell, who was one of the other hunters originally present uh, in that 1971 time when they first encountered the Sasquatches here. So let's go ahead and play that next. I feel like, you know, like your uncle came home from a weekend with his buddies. He's just like, yeah, check this out. I'll record a bunch of Bigfoots. And it's just like, obviously, like, we're like, dog, we know what we know what your buddy Steve sounds like. <laughs> yeah, it, it definitely. These later recordings are a lot more clear. And that might be because they claimed they were able to get the microphones a lot closer. Because, you know, the original ones, you could hear them off in the distance. These, it's like, it's right next to the microphone. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, let's let's move on. All right. Okay, we have clearly it's shaking its head back and forth while it's vocalizing here. Let's move on. There's there's some interesting sounds in this next one. Oh, <laughs> 
Okay, so we have some pig squeal noises that that enter into this, and I almost feel like this one is maybe another set having a conversation. It seems like one is kind of chastising the other one. The other one's kind of like, okay, and then we'll close out here with the final clip that I have. So was he trying? Was that supposed to be him, like approaching the Bigfoot? Yeah, and and I believe the Bigfoot was whistling back at him, which is another vocalization I've heard about. It was actually in the here's another callback to Shadowrun, the role playing game set in the, mm-hmm. the magical cyberpunk future. I believe the Sasquatch in that game couldn't actually speak, but it could mimic sounds. But its language was like a whistle sound. So I wonder, again, you know, I I wonder how much, because this did get pretty popular, I think, back in the early 70s. There were several TV shows and stuff, or segments on paranormal shows, I think like In Search Of did something on it. So I do wonder how much this contributed to, to kind of modern Sasquatch lore, and how far back that could be traced. So those were the sounds. Like I said, there's a lot more, and Ron Moorhead still promotes this stuff. He's still selling things he has he put out a book he has an audio cd of the full 90 minutes of tape narrated by jonathan frakes of star trek the next generation fame ah was that number two what was that number two yeah Mm. that was number two now i i cut down some of it for this this is like it's just an edited version of what i could find online no 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 was jonathan frakes was he number two number two oh yeah oh yeah i got you number two you got me now. Riker. That, that. Listener, listener Jim is rolling his eyes as we fudge this up. Absolutely. Sorry, Jim. Okay, so as I mentioned, these tapes caused quite a stir. They were actually released on vinyl. Whoa. Yeah, I think it was called like Bigfoot Sounds or something. I've, I've tried to find the record. It's not listed. Like, it's not even listed on discogs which is the place to go to find the rarest shit so i don't know i imagine it was maybe very private press super tiny but yeah i I haven't been able to find any examples of it that would be a cool record to own for sure yeah really yeah it's got a great cover too which i'll send that to you after we finish recording so they made quite a splash and barry and moorhead went and had these recordings analyzed and they basically found three people who confirmed that these recordings were non-human in nature and it seems that for close to 50 years now they still rely on these three that confirmed their recordings which is very suspect to me how many people denied their recordings well maybe we might not know because they probably you know clearly wouldn't publicize those reactions right those findings so first up, we have Dr. R. Lynn Kirlin, who is a professor of electrical engineering at the University of Wyoming. Now, it's interesting because his name always comes up as 
connected to this study that was done. But it was actually the thesis of a Norwegian grad student named Lassie Hertel under the direction of Mr. Curlin. It was presented at a conference in May of 1978 called Anthropology of the Unknown and published in an anthology entitled Man Like Monsters on Trial in 1980. So this was like the height of the Bigfoot frenzy back then. Like, I, I do you remember that from when we were little? Like, Bigfoot was spuge. Seems like there's... Not that I can recall. Okay. It seems like there's been a resurgence, obviously, in the last 10 years, but it was definitely big when we were kids. I think we caught the tail end of it. Okay, what they did was they used signal processing techniques to analyze the tapes, and they concluded that the means and ranges of the recorded pitch and estimated vocal track length of the speakers indicated the sounds were made by a creature with, quote-unquote, features corresponding to a larger physical size than man. They estimated 7 foot 3 inches by pitch and 6 foot 4 inches by track length, and the growl suggested a height of 8 foot 2 inches by pitch and 7 foot 4 by track length. Well, now I know what electrical engineers do. Yeah, they figure out how big things are based on... Noises. They also concluded that the tape showed none of the expected signs of being pre-recorded or recorded at an altered speed, uh, which they do cite could account for the ranges found on the recordings. Hmm. So, like, the low register stuff. Uh, which, I don't know. I mean, I am hearing just these crappy recordings I pulled off of YouTube, but it just doesn't sound to me like... It gets that low, but I don't know. You're not an electrical engineer? Yeah. So there's a counterpoint. In 1992, in his book, Big Footprints, A Scientific Inquiry, a guy named Grover Krantz, who is, I think, one of the more famous Bigfoot researchers. He was one of the more famous Bigfoot researchers, I should say, because he passed away in 2002. He states, one tape was analyzed by some university sound specialists who determined that a human voice could not have made them. They required a much longer vocal tract. A Sasquatch investigator later asked one of these experts if a human could imitate the sound characteristics by simply cupping his hands around his mouth. The answer was yes. Wow. So who'd have thought? Yeah, and, and that's such a common thing. You know, people have this laser focus on it being this one thing, and they use that kind of confirmation bias to just prop up that one thing and disregard all the other evidence. So right. they're like, yeah, you know, this can only be produced by something with a really long vocal track consistent with like an eight foot tall creature, but not mentioning how, yeah, you could totally just cup your hands and get a deeper sound that way. Yeah, Krantz was a pretty interesting dude, and I think... I have a little bit written about him, but I'm going to save it for another episode because I think he might be worth exploring because he was just kind of <laughs> an interesting dude. And I actually want to find his book, Bigfoot Prints. It's out of print and doesn't go for like a ton of money, but enough that I don't want to just buy it right now. So I'm kind of watching for it on eBay to pop up. Gotcha. Okay. So up next, the other expert that they cite constantly and have cited is a woman named Nancy Logan who they refer to as a human sound expert. Now, they don't always get into what that means, but I found she's a certified court interpreter in California, Oregon, and Washington, and she's certified in Japanese, Spanish, and French. She also speaks Italian and Russian and has a bachelor's degree in Romance languages. Now, I don't, I don't know if being an interpreter and speaking several languages qualifies you as an expert or not. Sure it does. Yeah. So... Logan states she doesn't think humans can make all the sounds presented on the tapes without, quote unquote, an incredible amount of training. Which, Dude, we're not talking about some fucking Michael Winslow shit. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> we came up in kind of the punk scene in the 90s. We saw how many power violence bands play. So, like. Yeah, really. Just frenzied, crazy vocals. It's 
maybe back in the early 70s, there weren't a lot of people making sounds like that. But now, if you listen to the more extreme styles of music, you can find a wide range of intense vocals like this. Now, the last expert is the one that they rely on the most, and it's it's probably the most interesting. Uh, it's a guy named R. Scott Nelson, who's a retired Navy cryptologic technician interpreter, also known as a cryptolinguist. He speaks Persian, Russian, and Spanish. I, I did a little digging around just to find out exactly what a cryptolinguist was. So according to Navy.com, CTIs, as they're known, serve as experts in linguistics, include training in Arabic, Chinese, Korean, Persian, Farsi, Russian, and Spanish. And they are also experts in deciphering information in other languages. Their responsibilities include collecting, analyzing, and exploiting foreign language communications of interest, transcribing, translating, and interpreting foreign language materials, providing cultural and regional guidance in support of Navy, joint force, national, and multinational needs. So Nelson apparently heard his son listening to these tapes somehow and was like, wait, what is that? Can I listen to that? And he claims that he went to work on these and transcribed them and identified the specific phonemes of the Sasquatch language. A phoneme is the individual unit of sound that forms to make sounds. So, for example, there are 44 phonemes in the English language. The way it's portrayed, it's like slash S slash, and that is the sound in circle and sit, for example. 44 seems not that much. Not really. I mean, if you you can combine them to get a ton. So, yeah, that's the English language itself. So Nelson went ahead and used the Latin alphabet and assorted symbols to represent these sounds. He calls it the Sasquatch Phonetic Alphabet, SPA, or the Unclassified Hominid Phonetic Alphabet, UHPA. There's a pretty good article on this from a woman named Karen Stolzno, who is a skeptic. She's also a linguist. The article is called Bigfoot and Mouth, Bigfoot Language. It was published in Scientific American uh, in July in 2013. And we'll put out a link with this with the show notes and probably put it up on the Facebook page too, because it's worth a read. She kind of dives into this as a linguist herself. First off, she questions why Nelson doesn't use the International Phonetic Alphabet, which is the standardized representation of the sounds of spoken language. Like that's apparently the one that everybody uses. So she's a little confused why Rogers went ahead and made up his own. She also points that speaking multiple languages and being an interpreter does doesn't qualify to identify or describe undocumented languages, and that is usually the domain of anthropological linguistics, a different field. Now, in 2014, on his website, Ron Moorhead posted what appeared to be a rebuttal to Stasnal's claims, a letter from J. Edward Boring, <laughs> who is chief knowledge officer at the Defense Language Institute Foreign Language Center. So he states that given what students learn at the DLIFLC, He says, odds are strongly in favor of him having learned more than enough of language origins, structure, formation, and development to be well qualified to complete the research and documentation to which you refer. Boring does say, as near as I could tell from your statements, the subject has not translated the recordings. He has simply analyzed them and applied phonetic structure to the sounds of the recordings. Uh, He also points out that the entrance exam involves learning a new language which is not a a known human language. Uh, I think it's just an artificial one that they created and that testees have to answer questions presented in this language. And Boring concludes by saying, hence, I have no difficulty at all staging that if the subject is in fact a two-time graduate of DLI, he would be utterly qualified to do what you say he has done and more besides. Now, his capitalization was on if. 
Hmm. So, and I, I, I tried to find more information on Rogers and couldn't really dig up anything about his credentials, what his deal is. Uh, he seems to have kind of hitched his wagon to this whole thing too, because he, I think, goes around and talks at conferences and the like. So here's the deal. I feel like Moorhead went and found a few people who are qualified experts in fields not necessarily applicable to the matter at hand, uh, which is a very common mistake in the paranormal research field. I've talked about the appeal to authority where you're like, oh, well, this guy is one of the world renowned experts in X thing that isn't connected to Y, the topic we're talking about. And because they're an expert in that, they know what they're talking about. So I feel like he just found these people who confirmed his theories and settled down with those. And like you said, he's obviously not talking about the things that go against it. And there are people out there who disagree. And, you know, one of the very common things is to not issue your findings to people. Hold them close to the vest. Because if word gets out that most people think they're not legit, then you run out of stuff to sell your book or your CD or whatever. So that's not how science works. Obviously, we talked about this a bit last episode. Uh, Science relies on empirical evidence, which from the Wikipedia entry, it's also known as sensory experience. It's the information received by means of the senses, particularly by observation and documentation of patterns and behavior through experimentation. So in science, empirical evidence is required for hypothesis to gain acceptance in the scientific community. Normally, this validation is achieved by the scientific method of performing a hypothesis, experimental design, peer review, reproduction of results, conference presentation, and journal publication. This requires rigorous communication of hypothesis, experimental constraints and controls, and common understanding of measurement. So the thing is, I don't know if any of this holds up to scientific scrutiny, and the fact that none of it is submitted to actual journals and whatnot, it seems kind of shady to me. It takes so much work to have a scientific proof. All the steps you just listed are very lengthy. Yeah. Even just putting out putting out an actual journal entry, and not entry, um, a, jur- a study that goes into a journal, it's, it's a crazy process. Yeah, yeah. Like, p- people doing their theses, theses? Theses. Thesis. Thesis, yeah. Thesis? Thank you. People doing their thesis are doing the research of uh, one of these study f- studies for years. Yeah. And this is where I think one of the big misunderstandings comes from. Folks on the paranormal side of things always say that scientists are closed-minded. And the problem with that is that there's a fundamental miscommunication because I think scientists are like, dog, I would do this. I would look into this if it wouldn't be so much fucking work. So they kind of have to develop a kind of a bullshit radar. They're like, okay, I don't see enough here for me to do this. So until you come up with something way better, like an actual real Bigfoot body or something, like I am not going to waste my time. I'm not going to spend six months doing this unfunded to, to get decent results. So it seems like people go with people who give them fast results and the ones that back up their whole shit. So Ron Moorhead went on to become kind of a Bigfoot researcher, advocate, and as he refers to himself, adventurer. <laughs> Al Berry, I believe, died in 2012. I don't know how connected to this whole thing he stayed or not, but Moorhead has written multiple books about not just the Sierra sounds, but Bigfoot in general. And his fourth book expands on one of my favorite theories about Bigfoot. The book is called The Quantum Bigfoot. And it speculates that Bigfoot is an interdimensional being, which, I mean, would go to explain why it's so hard to get a picture of a Bigfoot, why we can't find any dead bodies. And 
Because if he's that, if he's as fucking loud as, or he or she, sorry, if a Bigfoot is as loud as these tapes will would would show, there's no way they'd be able to stay as quiet as they have. Yeah, it's it's kind of goofy. So they must be interdimensional. Yeah, that is not a very popular view in the Bigfoot world. Uh, a lot of people get really pissed off when this is brought up and feel like it's harming the the credibility of these folks who think this is some kind of a hominin creature, you know? I wonder how much there is, like, a division between, like, people that are in cryptozoolog- into cryptozoology and people that are into the paranormal. And I wonder if this, for serious, like, cryptozoology uh, uh, fans... Uh, diehards i wonder if saying that bigfoot is an interdimensional being is just like no that's that's ridiculous oh yeah he's just a misunderstood creature he's not like a paranormal freak that's a big kind of sparring point between folks in all different aspects of the paranormal community people fight about this shit all the time bigfoot also gets mentioned a lot being present at ufo sites you know a lot of ufo sightings there are bigfoot creatures around and it's interesting that now as we go on, things start to blend together, whereas they used mm-hmm. to be separate. But now the sort of supernatural aspects are overlapping with the things that were previously held as physical material things happening, whereas this is something else. I do kind of want to read the Quantum Bigfoot. Yeah, me too. <laughs> I was going to pitch to you because I know you've been wanting to step up and do something on Bigfoot. So I was going to challenge you to do something about Quantum Bigfoot. I accept your challenge. Cool. Now, Dennis, I have probably the the cap to this episode. Uh, I'm saving the best for last. I've been keeping a secret from you. Okay. I was a bit disheartened by our Bigfoot expedition that we took while you were here with our friend Ryan. Yeah, it didn't really, wasn't very fruitful. Didn't see any squatches, ones that weren't carved out of wood, at least. Mm-hmm. And I happen to live in the Pacific Northwest, and a huge percentage of all Bigfoot sightings occur up in my corner of the country. Mm -hmm. So I made an expedition out recently into the forest. And I got some pretty interesting tape. What? Yeah. So let's go ahead and play this premiere. Is this a BFS exclusive? It is. You heard it here first. I think we need some stinger music. Like... Absolutely. Hey, everybody. It's Josh. I'm out in the woods right now at an undisclosed location, and I just heard something very interesting out in the forest. Let's listen and see if we can hear some more. That's a hard act to follow. 
Holy shit, you did it. I can't believe you did it, dude. This is irrefutable proof. Now, Dennis, as I say in this recording, that is a hard act to follow. Not only did I hear these beings out in the forest, but I communicated back and forth with them a little bit. I can't fucking believe it, dude. You did it. I think I think this is it. This is what's going to make this podcast I think millions. So. I think I mean, so. I mean, what's going to make people see that we are real Bigfoot researchers. He finally did it. Wow, I can't <laughs> believe it. Now, I heard a few distinct voices on there. Yeah, it, it seemed like maybe there was a group of them, almost like a, a band. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's a couple couple vocalists, a couple more vocal people, sorry. <laughs> so... <laughs> Speechless. I guess I'm just speechless. I guess we're kind of coming a little harder at the Sierra sounds than I anticipated. But to me, honestly, this just sounds like a dude in the woods. And it could be that, you know, Moorhead and Barry were absolutely sincere about this mm-hmm. and that somebody was fucking with them in the woods. That could be likely. Or they made these tapes up themselves. But I mean, like my tape, that's singers and bands making noises not right. too far off from this stuff, you know? And it's just like, you know, I don't hear it. Wait, your tape was faked? Oh. No, it, it was legit. Oh, cool, cool, cool. I think I said I, it, it sounds like people in bands. I'm so gonna I think, go send this to the newspapers. Do it. <laughs> BRB. <laughs> so I hope everybody enjoyed our first special audio episode. With I think audio. they're all audio. They're all audio. Yeah. A special enhanced audio oh, episode. Ooh, ooh, enhanced audio. I like it. I think this episode proves that you are an audio expert. And oh. the next time that I hear some fucking Bigfoot sounds in the woods, I'm going to come to you to have you uh, decipher it. Yeah, I think that Bigfoot is trying to let you know that it's down with the sickness. <laughs> what? Also... I think that Bigfoot is trying to tell us that's about all the time we have for this call. Bye. Thanks for listening to another episode of Best Friend Simulator. Send us an email at joshanddennis at gmail.com. That's Dennis with one N. Find us on Facebook and Instagram at Best Friend Simulator. And thanks to Alan for the theme music. Listen to his podcast, Werewolf Ambulance, and Marveling at Marvel's Marvels. Also, thanks to Justin for the artwork. See more of his stuff at burntobuild.com. That's all the time we have for this outro. Bye. Bye.